I am Grandpa, and I love you. I'm Grandma, and I love you too. Welcome to our podcast, Grandpa and Grandma Bedtime Stories. We share some stories that will make you laugh. We share stories that might make you cry. And we share stories that will give you courage to choose the right. And these bedtime stories will help you to dream sweet dreams. So get on your pajamas and say your prayers. Turn out the light and hear our story tonight. Good evening. This is Grandpa Hill, and I am going to tell you a Bigfoot story. You all know that I tell stories about my massive friend Bigfoot, but you may wonder who exactly Bigfoot really is. If you go to Wikipedia, the source of truth on the Internet, you will find this. Bigfoot is also commonly referred to as Sasquatch, a large ape-like creature said to inhabit the forests of North America. It says that Bigfoot is famous and is an icon with the fringe subculture of cryptozoology. That's what Wikipedia says. But for me, Bigfoot is a big friend who helps me and my family just when we need help. And I have dozens of stories to prove it. Tonight, I will tell you how I first met Bigfoot, how we became friends, and how I came to trust that Bigfoot would always be there for me and my family. This is a story about friendship, and I hope that every single one of you can have friends that you can trust and can count on being there for you. One other thing before I start. As with all of my Bigfoot sagas, part of the story actually happened in real life, and part of it only happened in my imagination. I will leave it up to you to figure out what is truth and what is fiction. Here we go. A long, long time ago, way back in the summer of 1970, I was a teenager at Washington High School in Tacoma, Washington. My friends Chuck File and Dan Buchanan wanted to have a summer adventure before school started in the fall. We decided to go backpacking for three days in the rainforest of Olympic National Park. We had never really gone backpacking together, and we had never even hiked in Olympic National Park. But we were young and strong and foolish and thought we could do anything. We looked on a map and saw a trail from Dosey Wallops Campground to a place called the Enchanted Valley Chalet. It was only 22.6 miles and went through a beautiful rainforest and then over something called Anderson Pass. We decided to take two days to hike in and one day to hike out. Some of you have hiked to the chalet with me before. We have always started at the Graves Creek Campground. That hike is 13.5 miles and doesn't go over a pass. What Chuck, Dan, and I were going to do was nine miles longer than that, plus it went over Anderson Pass. We didn't realize it, but it was quite a challenging hike. We were inexperienced backpackers, and I'm the first to admit that we probably brought too much stuff. Please, when you go backpacking, don't bring too much stuff. I would guess our packs weighed about 50 pounds each. But we were young and strong and foolish and thought we could do anything. The first 12 miles were okay. They were beautiful and not really that hard. It was cool and cloudy. It was perfect hiking weather. It was pretty flat. 
We saw lots of streams. There was moss hanging from the trees. And we even saw a herd of elk. But we were already tired when we started the steep uphill toward Anderson Pass. Oh, Nellie, it was so hard. It climbed several thousand vertical feet. It was so high, there were no more trees, and there was lots of snow. We got so, 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 so tired. We camped at Honeymoon Meadows, ate a little dinner, and fell fast asleep. But we woke up in a couple of hours, shivering. It was so cold. After that, we didn't sleep a wink the rest of the night. In the morning, we boiled lots of water and drank lots of hot chocolate to try to warm up, but we still shivered and shivered. But after we got on the trail when it got light about six o'clock, we got warm and forgot our troubles. The vistas were stunning, and now we were hiking down from Anderson Pass into the chalet. The weather was again perfect, but the clouds were a little darker. We only had to hike five miles until we entered the beautiful Enchanted Valley, and I saw that beautiful chalet for the first time in my life. In those days, the chalet was open to backpackers. It had about six rooms, and in each room was an old double bed. We went inside and left all of our stuff in one of the rooms. We had some lunch and then set off to explore. We looked to the west and saw dozens of waterfalls. Dan said, Let's go find us a waterfall. The Quinault River stood between us and the waterfalls. We had to cross it. It was swift, and it was about three or four feet deep. Dan, Chuck, and I linked our arms as we carefully walked across. I was in the middle between Dan and Chuck. Each of us took turns, one at a time, taking one step at a time. Do you know why we did that? I'll tell you why. The river was almost waist-deep and moving pretty fast, and there were slippery rocks. We linked arms so that if one person started to fall, the other two would catch him. That's how it is with friends. About halfway across, I slipped and started to fall. I quickly got very scared, and it was like time was stopping. I could see myself falling into the icy river and drowning. But then Dan and Chuck held on and stopped me from falling. They were true friends. They were there to help me when I started to fall. I hope you can have friends that will be there for you when you start to fall. We made it to the other side of the river and scampered to the base of the biggest waterfall. It was so beautiful. We sat down and looked at it for a long time and felt very peaceful. Looking carefully at the waterfall, we saw that about 200 feet up, it disappeared and then reappeared about 20 feet later. Chuck said, I want to go up there and see that. I bet there's a pool and maybe we could go swimming. I didn't want to go up there because I'm afraid of heights. But Dan and Chuck were going, so I decided to go too. Sometimes it's not a good idea to do something you don't want to do just because your friends are doing it. I wish I hadn't. But I did, and off we went. At first, it was an easy climb. In fact, there was a narrow trail that we could follow. But I was afraid that we would fall. I kept thinking, we may be able to make it up here, but there's no way to make it down without falling. 
we did make it up and found a beautiful pool about 20 feet across and about five feet deep. Even though it was cool, we went swimming, and in just a few minutes it felt warm to us. I forgot about being scared. We really enjoyed ourselves. We splashed each other. We pretended we were going to swim over the edge of the waterfall. But we never did, because if we did, we would certainly die. It was so fun that we didn't notice the clouds were gathering around us and getting darker and darker. Can you guess what's going to happen? You're right. Suddenly, it started pouring down rain. We shouldn't have been surprised because, after all, we were in a rainforest. We decided we'd better get down and fast. But then we heard a terrible sound, and there was a giant rock slide that wiped out the trail we had been on. Oh, no! And now the clouds were so dense around us, it was hard to see more than five feet in front of us. There really was no way to get down. It rained harder and harder, and we didn't know what to do. Then Chuck noticed the cave, just about 30 feet up and to the left from where we were. We scampered up and went into the cave and found that it was dry and warmer than the outside. And inside the cave, there was even some dry wood. Dan was a Boy Scout and always prepared and still had matches with him. And so after considerable effort, we built a fire and got warm. It kept raining and raining, and then it got dark. We had no choice but to stay in that cave. We dried our clothes and told stories and sang songs and said prayers together. It got so late, and it was dark, and it was still raining. We were exhausted and couldn't stay awake anymore. We lay down for the night next to the fire. I slept like a rock. In fact, I slept on a rock. But in the middle of the night, I got cold. I was half awake and reached to pull up the blanket over me. Of course, there was no blanket. But I felt what I thought was a furry blanket that was so warm. I kind of thought, what is a warm furry blanket doing here? But I was so sleepy, and it was so comfortable, that I fell right back to sleep next to that furry blanket. We all woke up when it got light in the morning. When Dan looked over at me, he yelled, Jeff! Jeff! There's a snoring bear next to you! Then Chuck shouted, Jeff! Jeff! There's a snoring bear next to you! And then I look and saw that my warm, cozy blanket was actually a big snoring bear. I screamed, it's not a blanket, it's a big snoring bear. And then my furry blanket started to move. And then my furry blanket growled, the scariest bear growl that has ever been heard. We were so scared, we didn't know what to do. But Dan was prepared, Dan had a whistle. His dad gave him the whistle to take backpacking and told him to blow it if he was ever lost or in danger. So he blew it and blew it and blew it. It made a loud, shrill sound. The bear didn't like that sound one bit. It made him so angry. The good news is that the bear moved away from me. 
The bad news was that he started lumbering toward Dan with his evil growl. Was this the end of my friend? The answer was, yes, the bear ate him. No, just kidding. Surprisingly, there was a big rumble from the back of the cave, and then we heard a boom, boom, boom. We had no idea what that noise was, but I bet you know. In just three seconds, there appeared a giant, ape-like creature with big feet but a kind face. I didn't know what to think. But then in one leap, this creature jumped between the bear and Dan. His kind face changed into a scary face. We were so surprised when he opened his mouth and spoke in English with an Australian accent. He grabbed the bear, picked him up, held him to his face, and demanded, What do you think, mate, you are doing? These are my friends. You leave them alone. We were so surprised. We were surprised that this big creature could talk. We were surprised that he was protecting us. We were surprised he called us friends. And we were surprised he talked with an Australian accent. Our mouths were open so wide, you could fit a candle open them. We were so surprised and delighted. The bear ran off, and the big creature with a kind face and the big feet turned toward us and asked, What are you doing in my cave, mate? We told him about the rain and the rock slide and finding the cave. He laughed and said, My name is Bigfoot, and you are welcome here any time. I want to be your friend, and I like to help people. Can I help you now? I could get you off the mountain if you want. We were overjoyed. We all walked out of the cave, and Bigfoot said, Climb aboard. The three of us got on his back. Then he said, Hold on. And he literally jumped down the mountain in three jumps to the river. He commented to us, I just love the triple jump. With all the rain, the Quinault River was now gigantic, but Bigfoot just jumped across it with us on his back in just one jump. He jumped us back to the chalet and then stopped. He looked kindly at us and said, Know that I am your friend and I want to be there when you need me, but I can't know if you need me unless you tell me. That's how it is with friends. If you need your friends, you need to tell your friends. So this is what I'm going to do. And from a hidden pocket, he pulled out three whistles. He handed each of us one of them. He said, these are special whistles. I can hear them wherever I am and wherever you are. If you ever need me, just blow on these whistles and I'll be there for you. So that's how I met Bigfoot and the beginning of why he was involved in so many family adventures. Over the past half of a century, Bigfoot has been a great friend who's been there when I needed him. I hope you can have friends like Bigfoot who will be there for you when you need them, and I hope you can be the kind of friend who will be there when your friends need you. I will be sharing many more Bigfoot stories in the future, but for now, it's time to sleep. So sweet dreams, my wonderful friends. We hope you enjoyed tonight's bedtime story. We hope you felt our love for you. And we hope you will have sweet dreams tonight. Bye.
We love you so much.